Welcome to the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational 2020 betting preview, DFS preview. This is the Tour Junkies podcast presented by fantasynational.com slash TJ. That is where we've gone for the last three years to get all of our PGA Tour stats, player information, course history, recent form, tournament data, lineup optimizers, ownership projections, anything you could think of for betting on golf or playing DFS golf is at fantasynational.com slash TJ. And when you go to that URL backslash TJ, you get 20% off any subscription, weekly, monthly, or annual subscription. Try it for a week. If you love it, get the annual subscription, get the monthly subscription, and you still get the discount. Head over to fantasynational.com slash TJ today and check it out. Let's get to the podcast. What's going on, golf addicts? David Barnett of the Tour Junkies. I got Pat Perry. Better late than never. Um, you know, we're, we're here. We're ready to go for the WGC St. Jude FedEx Invitational 2020. The first, uh, I guess, big WGC event of this weird season. Pat coming off of it? vacation. It's, I don't, it feels it? like I don't it. Know. It feels like a I new mean, year. I yeah, I mean, I have no clue. I feel like we could have had one, and who knows? Maybe if, we don't even remember it if you're watching on youtube thanks for watching thanks for joining us live sorry for the extremely long delay pat uh having technical difficulties. i love what marcus miklovich said in the chat just a minute ago paging patrick harrison perry please leave the bar and report to your terminal your family is waiting to board the aircraft <laughs> he was uh he's pretty all, correct there we're all boarded ready to go pat's you know off of vacation he's a little rusty um yeah, having those technical difficulties, which is going to happen. It's going to happen these these days. We're going to have a great show tonight, though, Pat, because not only do we have a stacked field, we've got some hot picks. We're going to have some DFS picks, some sports betting picks. I got a few. I got a few that I think are just money makers for the Barracuda. Mm-hmm. Barracuda, the Stableford alternate event. Those odds are up right now. We're going to talk through that uh, just just briefly. And I'm really excited about the, the the chunk and run segment tonight. We have a good chunk and run segment that I, I think I think my answers are are pretty. I was pretty happy with myself. I, I'm gonna kiss my brain for my answers because I think they're pretty good. Okay, have a good yeah. time. Before we really move on, big 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 PSA tonight. Um, we had another listener win massive money this past week. Matthew Moore, which if your last name is Moore, M-O-O-R-E, you know, you need to like overexpose yourself in the, in the bankroll department this week because Bryce Moore last week won 33 grand on like 400 and our boy Matthew Moore finished first and second in the $550 entry, $555 entry contest racking up over 300,000 American dollars. Huge win. Unreal. I mean, that's just 
gigantic. I, mm. I'm so happy. And, you know, I can remember, and even though I was on vacation last week, uh, I did get jump in the chat room for a little bit and just kind of mix it up with everybody because I, I like to do that, you know, and it's it's fun. Uh, and he was very active, um, even asking me questions. I'm like, hey, I don't, I don't know why you're even asking me. I'm sitting here on vacation. I even already looked at this ship. Um, but, I mean, he's just he was he's a he's a good member of the nut hut and it's just a great crew in there so i was happy to see that happen for him and uh for anybody that we get that listens to us and and even i mean it doesn't have to be 300 freaking thousand dollars no I mean, no. you have a positive good positive you know nice week and you, you got some good info in the nut hut i yeah. mean that's i'm happy for that too yeah, listen, I mean, obviously, it's just the big money is so shocking. Oh, Matt, Matthew is in the uh, he's, he's in the live YouTube con, uh, chat room right now, so shout out, Matt. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, the big money is what's, what's really interesting, but uh, it, winning any amount is definitely a good thing because it's hard to do. It is hard to do any amount, no matter what contest you enter in DFS. It is so tough. Um, it, it's so tough to do, but I, it was, I had a lot of fun yesterday. I watched a ton of golf this week. I don't normally get to watch a lot on the weekends. I usually get to watch a lot on Thursday and Friday, and then I'll catch the end on Sunday. Family duties, I'm playing golf myself or whatever. Um, but I got to watch a ton this weekend, but yesterday was fun. I got in the Nut Hut chat room, and Matt was in there sweating it with, with Nut Hut members in the chat live while it was going on. So everybody's pulling for him and you know updating him as soon as possible. He was sweating Charles Howell and Grillo on the last hole. and. Um, it was it was a lot of fun to sweat it with them, but but that makes now since the restart, eight events, just eight events, documented over are all nearly two million dollars in Nut Hut members winning on DraftKings in eight weeks, documented nearly two million dollars. That is enormous. Now, um, that's. That's, that's incredible. So like the nut hut is not, I mean, let me just, I cannot, I cannot overstate this. It is not just about getting information from me and Pat and Ben. Like there are some really sharp guys and gals in that nut hut. Um, and, and they're constantly in there communicating and mixing it up. Even when we're not in there, I, I think it's the best $10 a month or $90 a year you could possibly spend. Uh, and the community is growing. It's a lot of fun. It feels like a family a little bit, which I, you know, I always thought was a little weird, a little cheesy, but it does kind of get that vibe. And they're like, we're all pulling for each other yesterday. Everybody's in there talking up Matt. Uh, you know, I know he went to dinner last night with his wife and they celebrated. Hopefully they got pounded. Um, it, it was just kind of fun, man. It was just a, it was a lot of fun. And I feel like, I feel like that community is, uh, is super, super sharp. And yeah. it, you know what? I got to say, we had some good inside info last week on the Nut Hut as well. I gave you three names of players in the Nut Hut last week that we got directly from on on the ground sources to say play these three guys, um, and all three I would say panned out. Two of them especially panned out, and uh, it was just it was it was very good. We get that inside information a lot of times. Most weeks we get it, and we just had a great time. And I'm incredibly excited about the promise of the nut hut. Uh, so yeah, really, really exciting, but especially congratulations to Mr. Matthew Moore. Um, you know, along those lines though, sadly, uh, I talked about the bubble boy contest a couple weeks ago. Mm. Um, 
and we've, we've had a few submissions, a number of submissions, you know, it, it, it's like clockwork. It, it, I can give specific details about a contest and half a dozen of you knuckleheads will send me things that do not apply. It, it just, you just don't understand. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. I'm looking for people that play in contests of a Maybe thousand you're not entries. Explaining it well. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Explaining it well. Here's what qualifies you for the Bubble Boy contest: a thousand entries into the contest or more on DraftKings or FanDuel. Right there, I can tell you, I got three or four DMs that did not have a thousand. They're they're like playing in their buddies' league with four people, and they didn't make the. Like, give me a freaking break! Um, <laughs> you got to have the TJ avatar. Okay, that was something that a couple of you also missed. The TJ avatar has to be downloaded for your DraftKings or FanDuel uh, avatar there. Uh, and you have to finish literally within three spots of the payout spot, like three spots, very tight, right there from getting paid. So you just barely missed it. I got a ton of people sending me Millie Maker screenshots where they're like, you know, they're paying out to the top three, 33,419th spot, and they're in the 34,000th. 400 spots like a thousand spots off yes i realized that was close your little dot is sliding close but it, you know it's 160,000 entries it's still so not like right on the i need to be like, like right here yeah so like right on the edge right on the edge. that would be the bubble boy so we did get one that i feel like now i got a couple that actually did qualify but this one was the closest we're going to be sending them out some free swag uh john mahoney at John J A Mahoney on Instagram sent this. His DK handle is M Honey 19. He finished a half a point from cashing in the Millie Maker. Just a half a point, one half. A par would have done him fine. Not not somebody not having him get a bogey would have been okay. Half a point, and he would have got there. So John, we will hook you up. Please be sure and rock those TJ avatars. That that's actually something that you can do for free to help us if you enjoy consuming our content and you want to say, Hey, thanks guys. We appreciate you doing your thing. Uh, you know, then you can rock our avatar and hopefully do well. Something funny. I gotta Pat. Say something something. Funny, Pat. I gotta, yeah. Something's funny. So you said it was John Mahoney or Jason. Is it Jason? John? John. Okay. So I think, I guess you had sent him an email about this. And so all of a sudden the email, the, the reply email pops up. And I see that, you know, cause I didn't know y'all, you know, you're always doing these things behind the scenes and I don't even know about so like I see the reply and I'm like, all right, cause see, we get some bold people on these contests. Yeah, we and do. So we do. like, like, like you say, like you finished a thousand spots out of the, you know, out of the bubble. So you're really not in the bubble. Well, all I see is a reply and it's like, Hey, yeah, my address is so-and-so whatever else. And I'm like, and, and I'm thinking this guy is so bold that he just, <laughs> he just went ahead and sent us his address to go ahead and send him stuff because he was on the bubble, like without yeah, he even knew. us even so he knew he won. Uh, I yeah, told him he won. I was DMing him on Instagram. I was DMing, DMing I him. I missed that part. I missed that part. I just thought he was bold enough to just yeah. send him a, send us his address and no. say, "Hey, y'all, send me some stuff." I did have a scare though because uh, when I DMed him on Instagram, I was like, "Hey, man, you know, you, you're the bubble boy. You win. I'm gonna give you a shout out. I need you to email me, send your address." And he goes, "Oh, awesome. Love you guys. You guys are awesome. Thanks a bunch, mate." And I was like damn it he's from australia we got to ship stuff to australia like who says mate other than aussies and then the dude lives in colorado <laughs> are, are colorado people saying all right mate well i mean he could be an aussie living in colorado i guess that's true i guess that's true i mean you know they could they could live in colorado the more you know i guess um, 
as soon as I said, as soon as I read that, I was like, God, I would pick the one guy in freaking Australia that I got to ship some, some, you know, something to. I'm going to send him literally a $6 ball marker. It's going to cost us $60. You know what I mean? <laughs> so we won't, we won't do it. Thankfully, he only lives in Colorado. I don't need any Australians winning this thing. Okay. Like, we got to keep the lights on here at we TJ love, we love HQ. You guys, we do love you. Um, yeah, man, that's, I just want to get through that, dude. I mean, it's been an incredible run since the restart. Having a lot of fun. It's awesome. Get in there and check it out. Go to tourjunkies.com. Subscribe to the Nut Hut, which is the 24-7 member chat. Um, Pat, what's the – I got to tell you, man, I'm excited because last week, you know, I was, I was by myself. By the way, I freaking crushed it uh, was the word on the street. I absolutely of course. killed of course it. I, I mean, phone was blowing up. I had – I had agents calling me. I had ESPN DM'd me wanting to get pull me away from you. Of course, I said no. Um, what else? Uh, Pat McAfee hit me up. He's like, dude, that was amazing. I heard all about it. Um, you know, you want to come work for McAfee? I was like, no, nah, I don't want to leave Pat Perry. Um, but anyway, I had a lot of fun. None of that happened. But I, I, my picks were pretty good. My fades were pretty good. Told a bunch of people to avoid all the landmines up top. It was an absolute carnage at the top last week. Uh, at the 3M Open. A lot of fun, though, to see Michael Thompson win, who zero people were on. So it didn't really hurt you that you didn't have him. But Michael Thompson seems like a genuinely fantastic human being um, and good for him and his family. He's He's been grinding it for seven years since his last PGA Tour victory. Um, you know, very ho-hum game. But, man, he just hit a lot of greens, a lot of fairways, a lot of greens, did his thing. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of fun. you typically think of a guy like him as just sort of a steady Eddie type player, hits fairways, hits greens, but he's not a big-time scorer or anything. But, you know, he was scoring out there. I mean, he was doing, you know, everything he needed to do. So, yeah. um, I mean, yeah. it, it, props to him. It was a great all week. I mean, never made hardly any bogeys at all. Like, if you're like – like, for me, I had some bets that were pretty live Gosh. on Sunday. But, Golly. Like all of a sudden, my brain's hurting right here on this side. I swear, man, we're all gonna have cancer after these blue with this Bluetooth stuff. Like literally, my brain just started hurting right here. Maybe it was your voice. Anyway, continue. I don't even remember what I was talking about. Funny, anyway. funny YouTube comment. Marcus Griffin said uh, Jay Mahoney's gonna get a triple XL Captain America shirt that we still have like eight eleven of. Um, yeah. Yeah, anyway, he's a good dude. It was a good time. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on that. Um, I did, however, Pat, discover an amazing new podcast juice that a lot of people are asking me about. And I got to be honest, I have a new Tito's substitute. I'm saying goodbye to Tito's, and I'm saying hello to Wild Leap Handcrafted Vodka. This stuff is delicious. I, I picked it up in the store. It's cheaper than Tito's. Uh, Gluten-free, as apparently all vodka is. But, you know, they do put it on the label to let you know. Zero calories, zero carbs, only 96 sugars. Pat, that's good for you. See that? Yeah, I like that. Um, and they're out of LaGrange, Georgia. They do beer. They do vodka. They do uh, – they're about to come out with these uh, – I found out on their Instagram. They're about to come out with these vodka mixers, kind of like high noons. So, I think uh, – I think I'm feeling – I think I'm feeling a, a change in the, in the tides of podcast juice. This stuff is delicious. Well, I mean – I haven't gotten to try it yet, but uh, I'll. I hope I look forward to it. And uh, yeah. I'm, but I'm got just Tito's tonight for for my oh, podcast. Geez. Geez. So, I, is that so? Is that so? Like 
two, is that so pre-COVID? It's 2019, man. I mean, that's so 2019. Um, what, do, what do you mean? Yeah, it says, oh, no, zero. Sorry, not zero calories. 96 calories, zero sugar, zero carbs. My bad, I mis misread that. All right, let, that's enough of that. Pat, are you, uh, did you remember that every week you cover the course breakdown? Are you ready to talk about TPC Southwind or did you? Yeah, did you I feel that? like I did. I did remember that and uh, I'm ready to go this week. Um, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I mean, it's, it's a no cut event, so it is a little bit different and I'll probably scale back a little bit than I, than I typically do uh, as far as what I'm playing. But um, we got a fantastic field this week. So, yeah, I love TPC Southwind. It is a great course in Memphis, Tennessee. It is a par 70 playing uh, right around, you know, 7,200 yards and above. It is uh, – you got Bermuda greens here. So we're back on Bermuda after getting bent bent slash poa whatever you know like having to decide what we are yeah. we're on just pure bermuda greens this week there are 78 players in the field and as i mentioned it is a no cut event this course plays really tough i mean you look over the years i mean it's it's literally in the top 15 to 20 toughest courses on tour every single year there is a ton of water on this course as a matter of fact it this this course gobbles up the most water balls of any course all year long so that is something that you definitely want to look at you want to avoid those guys that you know might spray it off the tee a little bit or, or whatever but um and, and avoid those big numbers um you just can't f up your approach shots on this course and you pretty much got to keep it in the fairway i mean you know we talk about this every week when you look at driving accuracy versus distance and whatever i like accuracy this week i, I do like your accurate guys your guys that are not going to get into trouble off the tee there's not a whole lot of rough so if you do miss, miss the fairway i don't think it's going to be all that penal but i still think that it's a course where you do need to be hitting fairways and giving yourself a good shot at you know hitting and, and a, you know being aggressive into these greens. I think we see aggressive players do well here, um, but again, they have to hit these fairways. The two par fives are relatively easy. I mean, they're they're 550 and 530, so they're, you're gonna see some scoring on those par fives. When you step up on the par fives, you better be hoping for a birdie, because that's what you, you need to get. Um, if you don't, you are losing strokes to the field for sure. Um, you know, you got eight par fours here that play between 450 and 500 yards. So I looked at that as a stat uh, as far as par four scoring at that distance. I mean, those are, those are some pretty long, beefy par fours um, at, that, at that distance. So I think you want to look at guys that tend to score well and gain strokes on those par fours. Um, other than that, I mentioned accuracy is something I am looking at. Ball striking for sure. I did look at course history as I always do. Opportunities gained, I think, is a good stat to look at, which is one of those proprietary fantasy national stats that just you know measures your opportunities to score and, and score and have birdies. So I like that as well. Looking at past champions, we had our boy Brooks Kepka, who just – I just – he's like my Rory now. Like I can't not play him, and he screws me every week. Um, he won last year. He had DJ in 2018. Um, he also won in 2012 here. So let's go back to this point. This has only been a WGC event. I think this is the second year it's been a WGC event. So they've played this course like 30-something years in a row, but it was just the FedEx St. Jude. We didn't have the same type of field as we have now. Um, you know, it was, it was, I think, right before the PGA. I could be wrong on that, but um, 
or either the U.S. Open. Maybe it's the yeah. U.S. Open. Um, well, it's moved when they switch the major. But anyway, yeah. we do have a ton of course history, but it's just not always as a WGC event. Um, you had Berger win this thing back-to-back -back in 2017 and 16. And uh, DV's boy, uh, Selena's daddy, Fabian Gomez, in 2015 won this event. And uh, you talk about a guy who's just accurate off the tee. That is certainly one right there. But so there you go. Um, that is uh, the quick course breakdown. Any extra thoughts that you may have, David? Hey, uh, yeah. I mean, if we're talking DFS, what matters more than everything Pat said, if you're playing tournaments in DFS, is ownership. It is an ownership week, 78 players, 55 uh, – I'm sorry, he mentioned 78 players, no cut. We all, we all know what that means, right? Ton of volatility, ton of changes. You need guys who score. That's number one. You got to have guys who can take advantage of those two par fives Pat mentioned, make those birdies. Um, I think form matters a little more when you're picking players like that. I, I'm, I'm a yeah. little more against playing a guy just because he's low owned. If we still haven't seen at least some semblance of form over the last couple of weeks, because I, w I want them going in there confident. I want them going in there being able to attack when they need to on the holes they need to and score because you know in D this is for DFS you got you got to score you got to make the birdies you got to make the eagles to come out on top here and finding ownership leverage is numero uno uh, you mentioned the greens bermuda they, they are very small they're, you know they're smallish and they're a little slopey uh, which is why you talked about how it can be penal when you don't hit the greens because you're going to have to chip out of this bermuda which is not always fun on the small slopey greens. Um, so that's obviously something to look at. I think this course tends to favor the faders, favor the faders a little bit. You got Brooks who plays a fade, DJ who plays a fade, Berger one back to back who plays a fade. Um, I don't know about Gomez, Crane in English, but they probably play fades, okay. Um, so I, I think a little bit of a fade bias helps. Uh, a lot's going to depend on – I do think you're right about accuracy. I think that matters more than anything in terms of off the tee stuff. Obviously, your bombers like DJ and Brooks can club down. That's that's for sure an advantage. Um, the defense here is is being able – if it gets a little windy potentially, um, which, which could happen. I see a little bit of wind pr predicted already right now. We won't get a whole lot into the weather yet. But it also looks to get some rain this week, which is going to soften it up a bit. I don't love that. I, I would prefer this to play firm and fast, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, they haven't had a whole lot of rain recently, so I think currently the course is still pretty firm. But come Wednesday night in the Nut Hut chat, we can we can definitely report back and tell you, you know, what what our caddy friends think of the course conditions, uh, whether it's playing that you know firm or fast, or if, if you think it's playing if they think it's playing soft. So. Uh, yeah, I could see like, and this is just something I just just popped in my head. But if you're if you're spending money this week and you're 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 a gambler, so you're betting. If you're betting on this week and you're also playing DFS, like I would actually feel like I, I would feel more comfortable putting more money on the table betting than I would yeah, yeah. DFS. Like I like I, I like this week for a bet from a betting standpoint. Same. But I'm I'm not as big of a fan from a from a DFS, and it's it's just always that way when you have a no cut event because your lineup just has to be so like to win like one of these big tournaments this week it always has to be just so perfect because of from a leverage standpoint from whatever else it's just so much harder and I do think you can take more risk in DFS um, because of that yeah. reason 
but I, I do think if I were putting my money up, I, I'm more excited about the bets that I'm going to place versus my, my DFS lineups. And that's, that's just me. And I feel like I say this at most of the WGCs and it, and I'm, I'm, I seriously don't think it's ever bit me, but in this, in these fields that are extremely strong, there's always, you know, there's always guys for, that play predominantly on the European tour that get in. Don't fall in love with those guys. Like, and yeah, they're, they're going to be low owned and there's, there's a, a couple that maybe have some upside, but man, most of the time, it just does not work out. This is a really – this is a, a strong field uh, on a somewhat difficult golf course. It's not a major championship golf course, but it's somewhat more difficult than what we've been seeing in the birdie fest. You know, most of the time, it just doesn't work out. So, you know, if you get enticed by a, a 1% owned, oh, my God, I'm going to be so – I'm going to be way smarter than everybody else, European tour, you know, Asian tour predominantly playing guy, like, don't get too caught up in that and, and just pivot to the guy who's 3% or 4% owned in tournaments that plays on the PGA Tour regularly. Like, that's not going to kill you. Uh, so I do think from a strategy standpoint, that's something to think about for DFS. All right, let's get into the players here. Uh, we're going to look at DraftKings pricing. 9K and above, three tournament plays, a cash play, and a fade. Pat, I will start with my fade. I'm just going to – Go, go a little bit to go a little off the reservation here. Uh, I'm going to continue despite the $9,300 price tag to fade Dustin Johnson. Um, 78 was his first round score at the three M open. He withdrew due to injury. Uh, hot take. He's not injured. Uh, and two rounds of, of 80 at the Memorial before that. And before that, a win, which is very weird. But even with the win since the restart, he is 37th in approach and 37th in greens and regulation in this field. And he's 47th in bogey avoidance in this field out of 78, not great for Dustin Johnson at $9,300. Yes. It's an attractive name at a price that we're not used to seeing him at. I don't think DJ's hurt. He's definitely got to figure some stuff out, but the iron play, the T to green game is not there. Uh, and despite being a winner here twice, I will gladly continue fading him. Uh, I, I just – I'm not going to buy it. Uh, Crazy my, is it that he literally had to, like, birdie two of his last three holes to not shoot three To not shoot 80 again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, now – Who just won. They just won. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> so crazy. All right. Now, for the top, I'm not going to get super committed here. The – there are a ton of incredibly great names to pick here, right? And I, I'm going to name some of my favorites. And I think at the end of the week, you know, or come Wednesday in terms of DFS, it's going to just come down to who are the three that I think I can get the most ownership leverage of. Uh, I'm going to start with Justin Thomas. Love where his iron play is right now. Um, the form is incredible. I, I just – He's checking all the boxes, and definitely the iron play is what really attracts me the most to JT. Webb, who has a, a good record at this, at this golf course, when you look at not just finishing runner-up last year at the WGC, but also previous years at, at uh, St. Jude. He's played very well. Uh, loves Bermuda. I love Webb. Um, I'm getting in on Xander. I love where his iron play is as well. He's number one in his field in greens and regulation since the restart. 
scores a lot of birdies. I do like that. He doesn't putt as well on Bermuda, but I, I like the birdie potential for Xander. I like Berger a lot here, bouncing back off a miscut last, uh, last time we saw him at the Memorial. Uh, he loves this golf course. He's on record of loving this golf course, which anybody who wins twice is going to love a golf course. But it fits his eye. Tita Green, I think it fits his eye. Um, he's very familiar with the champion Bermuda grass that you get on these green surfaces. It's what he grew up playing on. So I love Berger. Uh, and I, I think it's really tough to avoid when you talk about ball striking, hitting it in the fairway and not missing greens. Really tough to avoid Victor Hovland, who is doing that almost better than anyone else, actually better than anyone else, Tita Green, since the restart at uh, a mere 9,400. And then finally, I'm going to keep riding the train, and it's paid off for me so far. The Matthew Fitzpatrick train, I'm all aboard. It, he's he's uh, played well here last year, third at the Memorial, a player who doesn't get himself in a lot of trouble. He ranks fifth in bogey avoidance. Uh, and actually scores a little bit too. 17th in birdies or better gains since the restart out of this field. Tita Green guy, very steady and can score. So those are just some names I like. I know I didn't name I didn't I didn't name three, but I think it's going to be kind of a land on the three lowest owned, or maybe pick the one that I really love despite ownership and get the two others for leverage. But I do feel like in terms of cash, if I were going to play cash, which I wouldn't this week, I would play Webb. I think that's as good a bet as any. So there you go. All right. Well, um, so definitely some agreement here. For me, I'll start with cash. I actually have Hovland in cash. I mean, I just think it's you know it's a good Don't price at ninety four hundred, yeah. and he's just he's just been incredible and in checking all the boxes and whatever. But I was kind of flopping because I really don't. I'm not going to play any cash, and I just I just whatever. Um, I'm with you though on Xander. He was one of my GPP plays this week. I, I like him a ton. Um, I like Matthew Fitzpatrick. He didn't necessarily fit my my three that I landed on, but I, I do like him as well. And I think he's a good bet this week also. We might, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I do think he's a pretty decent bet um, depending on what price you're getting him on a sports book. Um, but at the top there, I mean, I, I got to say, I, I and I'm sure there's going to be some ownership, but I'll plant my flag and go play some Rory. I mean, the guy's just absolutely been fantastic on this course. He hasn't finished worse than six in the last three straight years of playing this course. So, obviously, plays here pretty well. We know he checks all the boxes when you look at, you know, par four scoring 450 to 500 yards, opportunities gained, bogey avoidance, ball striking, all of that kind of stuff. Even his, you know, driving accuracy is pretty good. He's, you know, he's, he's well, top 40 in the field. So, I guess he's in the top half. So, that's not – uh, 78 that's not that great but anyway I do like some Rory at 11-2 and I think I will play him I'll be interested to see where his ownership comes in I do think it's going to be high um a guy that you've kind of not liked uh that much this year but old Terrell Hatton at I thought you were going to say that 700 I'm a fan of his look you talked about form early on, and this is a guy that if if you want form he's got it I mean he has been now yeah he does we have not seen him since the Rocket Mortgage. Um, he didn't play over at the Memorial. He didn't go in the bubble there for two weeks, and he didn't play last week. But he's third at the Heritage. He was fourth at the Rocket Mortgage. I mean, the guy's just been playing incredibly. He's won this year. Um, so I think he is a great play at 9,700. And I think he's still going to be the forgotten man of this group because there's so many good guys here. I mean, if you look at it. Yeah, oh, yeah. 
I mean, it's just it's very hard to peg. I mean, you got JT right there around him, Cantlay, Webb, you know, Xander. I just feel like Hatton might end up being a little bit of the forgotten person and hopefully get a little bit lower ownership on him. And I like him here. So I think this could be a, a good spot for him. Um, you know, he has played this course. He does have experience. Now, his best finish was a T13 in 2017 in a much larger field event, which was, uh, you know, that was back before it was a WGC event. Uh, last year, he finished 27th. Wait, sorry. Looking at the wrong. Yeah. No, last year he finished T43. But anyway, I do like some Hatton uh, this week. I think he is uh, is a good tournament play. My fade's going to be Brooks. If you watch Brooks, now, here's the thing with him. He he could easily just, because it's the, the type of field it is, he always shows up in majors, these WGC events, that kind of stuff. Like, he could just turn it around. But I watched him a lot last week because I had him and I had him in a lot of good lineups, and he screwed me. And I'm not just going by this because of recency bias, and I think that just because he screwed me last week, but he was like, he was like, I should stand up. like doing this thing with his leg and, and his knee and moving all around and like stretching it out and just looked all out of sorts and not like excited about anything with his game. Like he just didn't even look like he was enjoying being out there. And something's just off with Brooks. Now, Maybe a light clicks in this week is is different, but I'm just I can't I can't do it. I'm gonna I'm I am not gonna play him. But somebody in the nut hut is gonna get to me on Wednesday night. And <laughs> end up putting him in the lineup. But I just I don't know. I'm not feeling Brooks in this game right now. I just I can't like I could actually I feel like I could play DJ over Brooks, even though DJ honestly. Been worse. I honestly feel like DJ and Brooks are the only two here that are that are fadeable, like that that I could not be talked into. You you could talk me into literally any other. I mean, even Hatton, I like Hatton. Like anyone, any other name nine k and above, other than DJ and Brooks, I will say, yeah, I like that. If that's what you wanted, yeah, like you make your call. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you with Brooks. I mean, he did hit it better. He did he did hit the ball better. This past week, he lost five shots putting, which is crazy. He normally His never does that. Awful. He is arriving to a course where uh, it's Bermuda, which is his best putting surface by a long shot. This is also something that we learned about Brooks years ago when we interviewed him, and he said this after that. He doesn't like playing more than three events in a row. That's when he was healthy, he said that. Mm -hmm. This is his fourth event in a row. He's looking for something. He would not be playing here if he wasn't. He would be taking it off, resting for the PGA. And he's, he's a still and he's looking. a defending champion. So I almost he's feel a defending like defending champ. Yeah, but you know what? Who you know who doesn't care about doing that? Like Brooks. Like if, if any Actually, defending yeah, champ. Actually, yeah, he is the one that would be like he would just be like, ah, screw it. I'm not <laughs> Yeah. Him. If any defending champ wants to go, you know what, guys? I don't feel it. I'm not there. I'm not meant I, I it's I'm I'm not coming. Like it would be Brooks. So I don't even care about that. I just know he doesn't like playing more than three events in a row, and that is well documented. And this is his fourth event in a row. And he knows now is this, that, that, you know, playing the PGA is going to be his fifth event in a row. And then he's going to have to play the, 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 the FedEx playoffs. Well, you know, he probably, I'm sure he'll skip thing. the Wyndham. That's another thing is he's not even – he's so far out right now. Yeah, he's uh, out of it, like, yeah. So, like – Which is motivating. That, that's could be motivating. This, like, that's going to drag me in because he's so motivated. Like, he might, <laughs> not, even make, he might not even make the playoffs. Because he's so he's he's got to play well this week. 
So I don't know, right. but I just I didn't like what I saw with him coming down the stretch on I'm Friday trying to make the cut. I'm with you. Uh, let's move on to the AK range real quick here. Uh, I'm going to start again with my fade. This this gentleman has played 16 rounds in his career at TBC Southwind and has lost uh, nearly a half a stroke total strokes gained, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is in the bottom of people who've played here before that are in this event. Gary Woodland is my fade. Finished T55 here in 2019. Uh, he, his worst putting surface by far, Bermuda, which uh, Gary's frustrating on his best putting surface to watch putt. And you get him on his worst putting surface and he is going to really drive you nuts. He, um, he, here's, here's what really kind of was crazy to me. He's played in five events since the restart. In those five events, he has lost 9.6 strokes off the tee. 9.6 off the tee lost in the five events since the restart. That is a little concerning at a course that, to me, highly values accuracy. Now, Gary can hit his little stinger, but he's done that on these other courses he's played, and it's not working for him. And he's also typically, when you look long-term, a pretty poor scrambler, usually bottom of the, of the rung. Did he scramble his balls off to win the U.S. Open at Pebble? Yes, he did. Yes, sir, he did. He sold his soul to the devil the way he scrambled that week. It was <laughs> absurdly out of character for him. So I think Gary is, uh, is the one, is, is, you know, the fade in this range that to me makes the most sense um, at the $8,600 price tag. Now, my favorite play here is definitely Abraham Answer, who will be, I would assume, pretty chalky. But I've played him chalky or not since the restart, and it's been pretty good. You get him at $8,400. He is playing lights out right now. I'm all in on Abraham answer. In terms of and, – and I would play him in cash, but he's also my favorite GPP play. I don't even know why we're talking about cash this week. I hate cash plays in a no-cut event. You, you lose a lot of edge. You might as well take that lineup and put it in a tournament. So F cash. Um, in fact, I'm not even talking about it for the rest of the night. If you're going to play DFS, play tournaments. So answer is my boy for sure. Um, from a, from a box checking perspective, Billy Horschel checks a lot of boxes at 8,500, comes in in pretty good form over his last two events, puts best on Bermuda. He's a Florida guy. He's very familiar with champion Bermuda. I like Billy Ho. Now there are two guys who I think are interesting. Um, two more guys and, and maybe you're going to talk about them. Patrick Reed, who I think is going to be a little more popular than we think because I think people, I think people are going to want to play Patrick Reed. Good scrambler, um, you know, uh, good, good. Uh, I think a decent core history here. Checks the box and birdies are better. Um, yeah. So I think Reed's going to be an interesting play at 8,800. He definitely is attractive to me, but for the first time in a long time, you know, who caught my eye? Sergio Garcia at $8,000 since the restart is absolutely killing it from a tee to green birdies are better bogey avoidance like checks literally every single box does Sergio. So I'm a little interested to get Sergio. I don't have to worry. I don't have to sweat the cut, you know, just make me some birdies Spanish boy 
and and let's let's do this. Um, so I like a guy in good form coming in, which he sure is, and uh, so I think he's going to be one that I'll 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 probably lean to come Wednesday, unless somebody else talks him up and he becomes chalky. I like the Sergio play actually. I, I think if you're you're going to play him anytime this year, this is a good week to do it with the the no cut event, and you know he can score. So, um, is that? it for you in that yeah, range yeah. Are we done? okay um so i'll start um we no have i started cash. you go ahead sorry i mean i'll i'll start me me starting me <laughs> okay you start you you start <laughs> you and start, i'll start me let me start me uh you know we wrote down that we were going to do a cash play so i have an answer right there i mean i don't know i mean the answer is just i, I wrote down a whatever answer because it's just <laughs> like i mean like he's just He's just a good yeah. play this week, and it's pretty solid. But let's let's get into the more the, the picks that you're probably going to disagree with. Some. Um, my fade, by the way, I'll agree was was Woodland. I was totally with you there. So okay, we'll get, get, get that out of the way. Um, I'm playing Fleetwood this week, outside yeah. of this miscut that we saw last week. Um, I don't hate now, it. We didn't get to hear from me a whole lot uh, on the podcast because I wasn't on it last week. But if I was, yeah. you would have heard that I probably – I did like Fleetwood last week, and I was Dude, wrong. hold on. You know what I cracked up at laughing the other day <laughs> that I remembered? <laughs> uh, not last week because you just said it. You, you, we didn't hear from you a lot because you weren't on the podcast. But the week before when I went through a range and you said <laughs> – you, you said, okay, well uh, – we don't have uh, we don't have any of we have zero of the same players um, except for one <laughs> except for one. <laughs> it's kind of like what you just said there. Like, well, you know, you didn't hear. I di- I didn't get to say a whole lot last week. You didn't hear hear a lot from me because I wasn't freaking here. <laughs> but but I was on the I was in the chat room and I was say, like when I'm wrong okay. and I'm wrong I say I'm wrong. It's like the, the what was that the line from. Uh, Oh God, that's if it's Seinfeld, I don't know. Just move. No, on. it's not Seinfeld. It's from uh, Dirty Dancing. Uh, anyway, um, wow, you, Dirty so Dancing reference. You never, Jeez. You never, yeah, when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. Were you? Are you um, old enough to have watched Dirty Dancing with like your high school girlfriend on the couch while you tried to slip your hand down her? No, I think that movie was like '87 or '88, which would have put me like 10 or 11, somewhere in that range. Old so enough? Like a, no, just kidding. I guess that's, that's old enough. Maybe. <laughs> That's Nowadays, I feel like it is. Yeah, uh, that kind of alludes to the talk uh, to what we're going to talk about in the chunk and run. Anyway, um, yes. God, what were we talking about? Not messing with your prepubescent girlfriend. We're not talking about that in the uh, chunk yeah. and run. <laughs> but what? So, oh crap! It's getting anyway. Off the rails. I was a fan of Fleetwood last week, even though y'all were lucky enough not to hear that on the podcast. Um, but I'm. I'm back on him this week. I don't, you know, I'm okay with the miscut, whatever. It was his first tournament since quarantine and whatever else. Um, he didn't hit the ball terrible, I didn't think, but he did putt pretty bad. Um, you know, he just didn't putt all that well. It's kind of like Paul Casey. If you had Paul Casey, that guy just couldn't buy a freaking birdie and couldn't could not make a putt. Um, but I'm back on Fleetwood, and I'm hoping he has a little bit lower ownership uh because of the the whole miscut and things like that um i still think this is a good course for him you look at last year um you know his first time i mean it was first time in a wgc event here he finished t4 but he was t14 the year before that and then t28 before that so he's played this course extremely well um he's a guy that's just a great ball striker 
checks the box on the approach, also opportunities gained, and in that par four scoring from 450 to 500 yards that I talked about. Now, now we're going back to earlier in the year, if you're looking at, at, at some of his stats, um, because we haven't seen him all that much. But I still like Fleetwood again this week at 8,700, and I'm hoping we get definitely some, some lower ownership than we saw last week. Um, and here's the guy that I just think is a great WGC no-cut event player who we have seen play well lately, and that is Mr. Jason Day at 8,200. I am a fan of him. I love that price. Let's just let's just look at it. I mean, his last two events. T4 My only thing on day, because you're right, you're, you're going to spit out all the stats. I agree. My only thing on day was the last event we saw him play at the Memorial. He he was hurting. His back was not he, good. Yeah, but I don't, anyone who I don't, bends over and picks up their ball out of the hole on the PGA Tour, not the Champions I Tour, I saw that and resembles and saw, like Bob Barker if his dentures fell no, out of his mouth he did on the like, floor. Like, I don't I'm going to get up for the second time in a row in this podcast. He did this. Don't whole, hurt yourself. Don't hurt he yourself. He did this whole like he did this thing like where he would lean down like this like he did this whole crazy. He was hurt. Like, I don't like it. But I don't know if he was hurt. I don't know if remember it's just his remember WGCs. His, remember his WGCs doctor. are automatic paychecks. If he hits, we learned this from Daniel Berger a few years ago. If he puts his ball in the air on number one and withdraws, he's guaranteed what forty grand to show up. I don't up. care. I think that's worth. He's worth. The I risk think he's a big week. risk. Yeah, he's a huge risk, but he's going to be low owned. I mean, and and so why maybe. not play him? He's still in good form. He will so be he, so maybe his in like maybe he's injured, but he's still like so he's injured last you know you know playing the freaking memorial, and, and on a very hard golf course, and he still plays pretty well. As far as I know, TPC Southwind also isn't like that hilly of a course that's going to like hurt his back or do do whatever. So I mean, I think that. Jeez. I think Jay's talking a about good him boy. like he's freaking Rocco Mediate. <sighs> All right, are you done? Yeah. All right, seven K range. Let's hit through it real quick. I'm gonna start with my fade once again. It's gonna be Henrik Stenson. This is the theme for me, and it has paid off. First event showing up after the restart. I'm fading big names that draw a lot of attention, and I will fade Henrik Stenson for the first event. Now. Just like Tommy last week, everybody was like, oh, he showed a 64 at Shinnecock while he was quarantined. Well, yeah, but he didn't look like – he didn't look great, okay? Now, I realize he missed the cut by like a shot or two, but that's not what you want out of a Tommy Fleetwood. Henrik Stenson's down here. He's a lot cheaper, which I, I get. You're not having to worry about a missed cut, which is also nice. But then when you look at it, he finished T27 here last year. That's not terrible. Top third of the field, okay? Um, he, here's what's really crazy. Since – February of 2019, which was the first event he played, I think, in, in that year. He has only gained strokes off the tee in three out of 14 measured PGA Tour strokes gained measured events since February of 2019. In only three events has he gained strokes off the tee since February of 2019. Because everybody's like, oh, it's a shorter course, or you got to be in the fairway, no worries, he'll smoke that three-wood. Well, this is not Henrik Stenson that won the U.S. Open a few years ago, or the, the, the Open Championship a few years ago. Apparently, the three-wood or whatever, it ain't, it ain't working like it used to, okay? Because he ain't hitting fairways, and he ain't gaining a lot of strokes off the tee like he used to. So don't, don't, don't misremember old Henrik for current Henrik. It's not been great. First event off the quarantine, I'm not doing it. 
in terms of GPP plays, I like Mark Leishman, uh, who's played really well here before. Interesting, uh, you know, good player in tough conditions if the if, if the wind does pick up here and, and the court, you know, you play in rain or something like that. I think Stence, uh, uh, Leishman's a good play there at 7,700. Sneaky leverage play here, Kevin Na. I like mm. Kevin Na. When you look at the I restart. I keep looking at him and looking at him. And I'm okay. Like, no, nope. I kind of nope, like him, it. though. Now, I, I, now I, I rarely play a chalky Kevin Na, but I do like Kevin Na here. Since the restart, 12th in strokes gained approach, 16th in greens and regulation, 15th in birdies or better gained with, uh, you know, a fifth at the Travelers, a ninth at the Memorial. I like Kevin Na at this event. I think this is a course that suits him anyway. If you just think about the profile of, of uh, somebody who play well here, I think that suits him. Also, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Joaquin Neiman at 7,400. I'm going to hop on the Joaquin train. Love the, the ball striking, the iron play here. Uh, I'll work with that. And then I, I'm going to throw out one more, and that's Kisner at 7,000. 7, if I don't have to worry about him making a cut, if I can you know, get a Kisner who loves to show up at big events like this too, um, who's not afraid of, of these big events, who's not afraid to go out there and, and say, I got to make some birdies, I'm going to go make some birdies. Now, he hasn't done that very well since the restart, but I think you're going to get him, you know, like sub 5% at 7,000. I get a nice little price savings. I'll go kiss. That's it for me in the sevens. Wow. Okay. We got nobody here that, I'm a, that is, we have nothing that is in agreement here. Okay. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go with, uh, I um, faded Joaquin Neiman. I, I don't Oof, like him this wow. week. Um, he's not checking the box and putting on Bermuda. Uh, it's his first time playing this course. Uh, doesn't check the box for me in driving accuracy or in that par four scoring from 450 to 500 yards. So I'm I'm actually out on Neiman, and I, I wonder where his ownership's going to be. It may be um, pretty high. I don't know, um, but I'm out on Neiman. Not a big fan. So I'm I'm against you there. Um, I'll start with uh, at the top for me. I'm on Matthew Wolf this week at 7,900. I like him. I, I mean, it. the guy's an aggressive player. He's been playing. And, and, and if you're going to play a guy that's an aggressive guy like he is, this is the week to do it with a no cut event and whatever else. And a lot of people, you know, he was one, again, that I didn't get to talk about on the podcast that I think a lot of people didn't <laughs> like last week that I did like. And I think I mentioned it in the chat room. I no, was a lot actually. Of I was on some Wolf last week, despite the fact that he had won the year before and whatever else. I think at 7,900 is a pretty good price for him. We know he is a scorer. I mean, the guy is just as aggressive as they come. So I like Wolf at 7,900 and we'll play him all day long. Uh, another guy that, that's been kind of hit or miss, Scotty Scheffler at 7,300. I think he's another aggressive player with a no-cut event that we don't have to worry about him just – having a bad day or whatever, I think Scheffler's a good play as well. Um, checks a box and opportunities gain. Also, um, you know, he's actually a pretty accurate driver of the golf ball um, and a good ball striker. So I'm, I'm all in on Scotty Scheffler at 7,300. And then another guy that missed the cut last week and hasn't played that great but has played really well on this course and that is Bubba Watson at 7,100. I think mm. he is a great leverage play, will be super low-owned. He has gained 28 strokes on the field over the last five years playing this event with a top 10 last year. He finished second back in 2015, two top 15s in a row in 16 and 17. So I like some Bubba Watson at 7,100. 
And he's shown some flashes of playing pretty well this year. I mean, just at certain times. So I do like some Bubba there. Mm. Um, I don't have a cash play, I guess. But yeah, who I cares? Do like, I mean, I'm, I mean Hadwin's another guy, another name that I wrote down. Yeah, okay. I, think, I think Hadwin's good. So. All right, 6K, I'll, I'll move quickly. I like Strillman. I like Palmer. I like Byung-Hun Ann in a no-cut event, thank God. Um C Bez, Bez and Who He Hoot, Bez and Hootie Hoot um, is interesting. There's a few, there's there's a number of names down here I like. So I think we'll just see how it works out. Um, come Wednesday night, we'll figure that out. Any other names down here that kind of I'll give you two actually you? in there. Okay. I'll give you two, and they're both from from overseas, but they're not just this isn't their first rodeo right now. And that is Matt Wallace at sixty seven hundred. Uh, finished T4 at the Memorial, T39 at the Fuerte. You know, playing yeah. really well. And then Tom Lewis. I'm going to give you that guy Ooh. down really cheap Tom at 6,200. Finished wow. T12 at the Rocket Mortgage and 32nd last week. I think Tom Lewis, 6,200, that's a good price for him. So if you're wanting just a cheap, super low-owned, like, like 1%-owned guy, I would throw out – I would put in some Tom Lewis in your lineups. I like him. Wow. Um, man, I didn't even realize he played last week. That's that's not a that's that's a dark horse for sure. Okay, uh, let's let's talk some sports betting because I definitely like. I'm getting excited about the sports bet stuff. First of all, there's a few matchups that I do think were interesting as it pertains to DraftKings. Terrell Hatton, I noticed a very slight favorite on DK Sportsbook over Matthew Fitzpatrick, but seven hundred dollars more expensive. I kind of feel like Fitzpatrick is Hatton light like cheap Hatton um not as good form but still solid form but I think his I think he's got the same skill set but $700 cheaper for Fitzpatrick over on DFS uh, you mentioned Jason Day uh he's actually a pretty sizable favorite over Ricky Fowler but a hundred dollars less than Ricky so that would that would justify your value there for Mr. Jason Day and then my boy Kevin Na is $100 less than Matthew Kuchar, than Matt Kuchar. I don't know why I said Matthew Kuchar. Uh, but he is, he is also a favorite, which I also thought was interesting. Um, all right, DK Sportsbook, let's talk outright picks. I'm not going to start before Patrick Reed at 35 to 1. You know me. I'm always going to skip the, the, the favorites. Yeah, I, I will. I will. I have a few. I know you will. That's why, that's why I gladly skipped it. I'll start at Pat Reed at 35 to 1. I love me some Abraham answer at 45 to 1 on DK Sportsbook. Also, like your Matt Wolf call as an outright bet at 90 to 1, riding high, a lot of confidence, a lot of form, made a lot of birdies coming in um, uh, over the weekend at the 3M. So I like that. Um, Corey Connors at 125 to one is hard for me to pass up on considering his iron play. And this is a golf course that really rewards iron play. 125 to one's a big number. Okay. Now here's some bit, here's some monster numbers, but I mean, in a field of 78 players where really you could eliminate it down to like 65, you know, you could pretty much take it down to like 65 that really could win. I mean, it's volatile, but with 65 of those players, Phil Mickelson's 150 to one. And we've seen him have 
some pretty good rounds. <laughs> I did not expect that coming. We, we've seen him have some pretty good rounds since the restart, have we not? I mean, I, th- I think Phil's yeah. had – I think he was he's almost a, a first-round leader a couple weeks ago, yeah. um, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, I just – 150 to 1 for an experienced guy like Phil who could – if he just gets hot for a week, I mean, that's a big number. Um, you mentioned Matt Wallace. I, I looked at him at 150 to 1. Uh, Ryan Palmer stands out to me at 175 to one, who almost almost sealed the deal just a couple weeks ago uh, in a full field event. So those are some outrights that I'm that have kind of caught my eye um, so far. What about you? Well, I'll start with the shorter odds because you don't you don't want to do that. Yeah. But I, I I'll start with Xander at 20 to one. I think that's a really good number for him. If I were going to go short, that's I like that. I like Fitzy at I like Fitzpat Matthew Fitzpatrick at twenty eight to one and Hovland at thirty one to one. I think those are good numbers for those three guys. Guys that are, you know, have been playing really well, especially Hovland. I think that thirty one to thirty one to one, by the way, is just a weird number. Just like make it a weird number two or thirty. I like the Hovland number too. Um from the from the long standpoint, um or middle, I guess, I feel like because because I just don't want to play him in DFS, that this is sort of like the FOMO, the fear of missing out. That I need to play Paul Casey at seventy to one. Like I just like there's a like this need to do uh, Paul Casey at seventy. I don't think a win is coming for Paul this week. I, I, I could I know, but it but it could happen, and then everybody you're gonna yeah. just you're gonna hate yourself. Your so I can you just throw you. a little bit of bone on a little bone on him, and then I'll mm. you know. You want to put Sung your J- bone on Paul Casey? Yeah. And then Sung J.M. at 90 to 1. I mean, we're getting a guy. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, Come on, man. Look, it's Sung J. He, I, uh, he can win a tournament. We've seen that, and we haven't seen him play great lately, oh, but who knows? It's no cut of we, we haven't seen. We haven't even seen him play kind of okay lately. It's not that we haven't seen him play great. I mean, I. it's a name. That's just a number that I just Dang, feel like though. is a little bit off of him. All right, so going, going a little bit longer, I'd like Danny Willett at 125 to 1. I think that's a pretty good number. We've seen him play really well lately. Um, you know, kind of got in the mix for a little bit at the Memorial, but then sort of fell off a little bit. Uh, and then Max Homa coming off a good week last week at 150 to 1. I think that's a pretty good number for him. Um, he's kind of a streaky type player that, you know, when he's playing well, yeah. he's, he's, he's really He's got to make some putts, stuff. man. He's got to make yeah. some putts. But at 150 to one, I like that as well. Um, I don't know. There are some good, some decent looking longer shot numbers here. But I'm surprised you didn't throw out your, your, your you know, our boy Joel. I want to wait and see. Come Wednesday on Joel, we'll give you an update yeah. on Joel. He, I did look at him at 225 to 225 one, which is a big number. Big number. Um, all right. Well, I, I want to throw out a couple names for top ten bets. Camp. Cam Smith at 18 to 1. Not been playing well, but Cam Smith has been a contender at big events throughout his career. He's one of the best scramblers in the world. Um, he just hadn't really been playing well whatsoever lately. I don't know what's wrong with him, but 18 to 1 for a top 10, you know, I'll do it. I'm not going to play a top 10 at like 6 to 1. I just don't do that. But let me tell you the guy I like the most, and I'm going to put him down for a top 10 and a top 20. And that, and, and he's, his form recently is is not outstanding, but we have seen him pop. He tends to miss the cut, or you know, he's got, but he also has tremendous top ten potential. And that is Sung Kang 
okay, who has not played great. But Sung Kang is 45 to 1 for a top 10 in this field and 14 to 1 for a top 20. Now, right before COVID, he finished ninth at the Arnold Palmer, a stacked field, a somewhat difficult golf course. Two weeks before, or two tournaments before that, finished runner up at the Genesis, another stacked field. Um, 16th at the Farmers earlier this year, made it into the Tournament of Champions uh, from his win back at the Byron Nelson last year. So he's a PGA Tour winner. I mean, the guy can jump up. I mean, finished seventh at the PGA last year. The guy can hop up and finish top 10. Like he has that potential. I would rather put my money on him than, you know, than a, than a, a Lucas Herbert or a mm. Victor Perez, who's a great European tour player. But I mean, 45 to one for a top 10 and 14 for a top 20. I like, um, I also think we can go ahead. You know, I, I normally don't like to look at first round leader bets before Wednesday, but given the fact that you've only got 78 players, you don't have a, a big, you know, weather tea time wave advantage as most players are all going off within the same two and a half hour window. I do think looking at some first round leader bets are interesting. And again, 78 man field, you talk about, I mean, literally anyone could get hot for one round and guys like Cam Champ, two time PGA tour winner, big time scorer at a hundred to one Keegan Bradley, we know Keegan's a first-round guy, right? Like, I mean, if, if anybody can, yeah. can go low in the first round, it's Keegan Bradley. And then he'll F it up for the remaining three, but he can go low. He's also 100-1. to one. Two guys who have been playing lately, um, uh, Bern Wiesberger, Brendan Todd, 90-1 to one at first-round leader numbers. I mean, the, the, you know, Bern actually had a pretty decent weekend um, and uh, just kind of didn't have, didn't have the best Sunday. But 90-1 to one for him – 90 to one for Brendan Todd, who's been playing okay lately. Um, and, you know, and those guys are, those guys are accurate players. I, I like the 90 to one Mackenzie Hughes, who we've seen play really yeah. good, have some really good early rounds. Um, so Mackenzie's, you know, a guy that is, is, I think wins on, or, you know, we've seen him win at like Sea Island uh, at the RSM, you know, courses with a lot of water and things like that where there's a lot of trouble off the tee and all that I think Mackenzie Hughes is a is a decent play first round leader at 90 to one so um the other thing I mean you know we talked about this I talked about this last week and I say it all the time like for first round leader bets I hate I hate betting super short guys because you're very likely to split it you know when you have two guys tie or three guys tie or maybe even four guys tie for the lead but um but I'll tell you what else, like that group on DraftKings Sportsbook right now, the group at 80 to 1 is ridiculously good. Eric Van Ruyen, Matt Wallace, Ryan Palmer, uh, Phil, Kiz, is it? Kiz, Kiz is in there. Homa, Damon, Byung-Hun Ann. Like those are all names that we have seen at the very top of leaderboards recently, long-term, like, all of those guys can pop. You could you could have a handful of those of those bets at eighty to one, and even if if uh, I mean I, I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of these guys are tied for tied. And you're yeah. I don't know. Like that's just those are big numbers for a, a seventy eight man field. I love some of the first round leader numbers. Um, I, I might be a little heavy on my first round leader card this week. And like you said, I would prefer take some bankroll away from DFS and lean a little more into 
you know, first round leader bets. I'm going to dump some on some Sung Kang finishing T10 or T20. Uh, and then the sports book outrights. Um, oh, and the Barracuda. You I got, have I got some f- Barracuda plays. I, you're going to have to go through those because I okay. don't have the Barracuda plays. I, first of all, I've already made these bets. I'm not going to wait because I think these numbers are going to get shorter. The Barracuda, the alternate field event, is at a brand-new venue this year in, in California. Um, so it's moved to California. It's a stable for an event. So it's going to reward for eagles, birdies. You're going to lose points for bogeys, doubles, or worse. Pars, you, you gain okay. But it's, it rewards scoring. you got to score. It's, it's almost like a DraftKings competition. I don't understand why DraftKings doesn't do something with the Barracuda, but it's very much like picking DraftKings players. You need mm-hmm. guys who score, who are aggressive. Last year, Colin Morikawa won this event. It was his first win on the PGA Tour. Um, so young guys can win. Any, any, anyway, now – for this event, I definitely like some of the shorter names, the shorter odds names. I think there's some clear guys leading up to this event. But, I mean, Brendan Steele at 25-1, to 1, a known scorer, has played this event before and done okay. He definitely take advantage of par fives. He's a California guy, tends to play very, very well on the West Coast in the regular PGA Tour rotation. He's at 25-1. to 1. That is extremely short to me. Uh, three guys who I talked about last week, and they all played very well. Sam Burns at 33-1, to 1, Taylor Gooch at 35-1, to 1, and Cam Davis at 45-1. to 1. All three played last week. All three played very well, made a ton of birdies. Gooch had a chance to win it if he didn't, if he wouldn't have crapped out over the freaking Sunday. Cam Davis stormed up the leaderboard over the weekend, ended up playing very well. All three of these guys hit it a long way. They're aggressive. They're young. They make a lot of birdies and eagles. That those are great numbers. Will Gordon, fifty-five to one. He does not have full status on the PGA Tour. A win here would do a lot for him, a lot like it did for Colin Morikawa last year. He's a long hitter, very aggressive. That dude was out driving Matt Wolf uh, in, in the exhibition on Wednesday of last week. Tremendous player, Will Gordon, a guy who hasn't played in the last couple of weeks, but we saw flash a little form prior to. And that's Maverick McNeely at 70 to 1. Maverick can get hot. He's got a great putter, you know, solid tee to, tee to green game. 70 to 1 is a big number for him. And then two more Robbie Shelton, 100 to 1. Robbie's had three good events here lately, played really well on Sunday at uh, uh, just this past week at the 3M Open. You want to ride these guys while they're hot. You know what I mean? Like we, we got to, you, you want guys coming into form that are scoring, that are young, that are aggressive at this event. And then finally, a guy who I was on last week, but he missed the cut. I told you, he was either going to miss the cut or finish top 10, Seamus Power, 175 to 1. Seamus needs a good event. He doesn't have great status either. He needs a big event. Uh, he's 175 to 1. So I think the Barracuda offers a lot of young guns. Like, that's the profile you need. Young, hungry, aggressive, scores in, in good form to some semblance of form. Doesn't mean they had, they, they had to have played well the last event, but had they flashed a little bit in the last three to four weeks, that's what you need heading into the Barracuda. I'd be shocked if any of those names that I just mentioned don't win this golf tournament. I'd be shocked. Yeah, I, I agree. Just look, I'm just looking through here real quick. I, I, I think you're right on with a lot of these bets, and uh, there, there's some good good value in here for sure. Some good, really good players that are getting some you know longer odds. I was hoping – I was looking through here just hoping to see Will 
Zalatoris uh-huh. in this event corn because that guy has just been lighting up the Corn Fairy uh, tour, but I guess he just didn't get into this one. But yeah. anyway, uh, that's a name for the future, by the way. To know. Oh, yeah. Will, Will is killing it. All right, Pat. Let's get to the chunk and run tonight, buddy. It's going to be a fun Woo! chunk and run tonight. We're going to have a good time now. The theme for the chunk and run. Now, what we do, the chunk is usually a question that is somewhat golf-related. It could be anything golf-related. Listeners are welcome to submit questions for the chunk and run. You can email them to info at tourjunkies.com or DM us on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, we'd love to feature your chunk and run questions. But we thought of these today. Uh, and then the run question is literally a question about anything else. But the two tonight are related. Now, here in Georgia – uh, we're a little more cowboy with the old COVID, you know what I mean? We're, we're cowboying it up here. Bam, bam, bam. Uh, we're so wearing our, our mask. We're wearing, we're wearing our, our mask. mask, though. But our kids are about to start school. And let me just tell you, so my kids, my kids start school a little earlier than Pat's, but my kids start school a week from today. Yeah, mine are not till like mid-August, but anyway. Yeah, and I am tickled pink about them starting school. I am ready. They've been out of school since the second week of March. And I'm ready for him to go to school. So it got me thinking a little bit about school. So the uh, chunk question tonight is, what PGA Tour players would you say are most like a high school principal, a high school teacher, and a high school coach slash PE teacher? And what would be some characteristics? The run question tonight is, what are some memories that stand out from your school days? High school, elementary, middle school, whatever. Now, I think we should start with the, the latter. I think we should start with the run tonight, some school days memories, Pat, uh, because I, I'm very excited about my, my PGA Tour pros and how they would relate to – I like who I picked out. I think I got, I think yeah, I got it I've nailed. I've got a few there. I've got a few there. I don't know if I've nailed okay. it, but I've got a few there. What about your, what about your memories? Any good memories? What, what do you think of when you look back all those decades ago? You know, it's funny when you get as old as I am, you start to forget a lot of that kind of stuff. So you don't, you know, the memories don't just pop into your head automatically. Uh, what you do remember is like how you were or, you know, like what, what those, like what middle school was like or what elementary school was like or what high school was like. So like for me, middle school was my favorite time. Like it was, it was like my, it was like, that was when like, I was sort of like, you know, you're coming into your own a little bit, but I was sort of a, I mean, I was kind of a ladies' man. It's kind of a ladies' man. I'm sorry. I mean, I just was. And uh, so I was all, all, all about the ladies. And when I went to like, when I got to middle school, so I went from like, here's what happened in middle school for me. I started out and everybody could probably, they're, they're going to easily, they're not going to identify with this, but they're going to say, this is exactly what I thought Pat would happen to Pat. So I started out going to a private school when I grew up to fifth grade okay I went from private school to fifth grade to as public as they get in sixth grade and so the thing I remember about and when I say as public as they get I mean as public as they get like it was I went from private being around all my you know whatever to being around everybody and I loved it it was great and the thing I loved about it the best was the girls like it was so different because like in private school like everybody's all reserved and everything like that but then when i got to public school like you could you could it was it was a little more relaxed it was a whole new world 
it was a whole new world for me. And there was like some, you know, there was just some, I was all about the girls in sixth, seventh and eighth grade. But the biggest story I remember for me that I think was funny was in high school. And this involves direct TV, Perry. Mm. I didn't drink a whole, I didn't drink a whole lot in high school. I know like people got crazy and drank, but this just popped into my head. Like we had this outing, we went to the lake. So DB knows where uh, we have Lake Thurman, uh, Strom Thurman Lake, which is between uh, which is between South Carolina and Georgia. Well, we call it, called it Clark's Hill, but they they, they forced they forced us to call it Strom Thurman. Uh, he's a great senator, an old longtime senator out of out of South Carolina, but I still call it Clark's Hill. Okay, anyway. so I was very responsible in those days, and so I decided we were all going to go to the lake, and I was going to be the driver. Okay, I was the driver. So we had all this, we had all this Zima. Do you remember Zima? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> so we had all this Zima packed up in this cooler, and we drove to the lake. And my brother, Direct TV, he decided. So he drank a lot of Zima. But Dude, I was Zima driver. was the first. Zima was the first alcoholic beverage I had. Yeah. So that's a he that's a malt, that's a a malt lot of, beverage. Yeah, he drank a lot of Zima. I did not oh. drink any. And we have to drive back and we get home and he is throwing up all over the place. So what did I do? Mom and dad were out. They were doing something. I don't know. They came back in. So I like, I'm cleaning up after stuff because he's throwing up. And I don't know why this just, just popped in my head. This sounds like me after you guys at the Hilton Head trip. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, so like, I'm like cleaning up after him, but then mom and dad come home and they came home and I'm thinking, oh shit, what do I do? So I just left. But what I did was I left him on the floor and I like threw a blanket over him and the throw up and they never knew. I don't know. Maybe they did know. I don't know. Maybe they did know, but I just like threw, I just threw a blanket over him and then I came back and, and they didn't say anything. They were in bed and, and I don't know if they were wondering where I was. Like, I, I don't know, but I just didn't, I left the house. And uh, so it was, I don't know, that was just a Dude. crazy night. It was a crazy night, and I, but I got us home safe. And I think I think about that because it's totally different than me today. Like I was like the responsible person that night, which is really not like what happens like all the time. Like not you've now. seen it, you've seen it before. Um, Dude, everybody uh, in the in the in the YouTube chat, Kistler and Moses are talking about. Remember how you used to put them Jolly Ranchers in them Zimas? <laughs> <laughs> you dropped the Jolly Rancher in there. Oh, anyway, I, I think the whole story that the reason that popped in my head is because I wanted to talk about freaking Zimas. Oh. Um, but my, right. you know, my younger day, like I, if we were, if you were to say that the, the run was going to be college days, I would go, I could be, I could tell you more stories, but I didn't like my high school days and I didn't like my middle school days as much as I did my college days. So I'm going to go to you now because I'm sure you've got some better better stories than I do. I don't know. I'll make it quick. I mean, I, I had a couple of funny moments that kind of came to mind. Number one, um, when I was in sixth grade, uh, I got a nickname. You know, I thought about nicknames. I got a nickname that, that stuck with me until I was in 10th grade, thankfully. Um, but in sixth grade, it was the first time I'd ever run a 40. And, and I, played on, I played baseball. I was in sixth grade. And we had to run a 40. And at the time, I had the same size foot as I have now, about an 11 and a half. And I was, uh, I was nothing but, but bones and, and feet. And I was not very good at picking them up and putting them down. And I ran the 40 time in seven seconds flat. 
So my, and Pat's not paying any attention. This is really annoying. I ran my 40 time in seven seconds flat. Um, and I, That's and my not coach, very good, even, even my coach laughed at me and made fun of me and everybody laughed at me and made fun of me and called me seven flat. That was my nickname until I was in 10th grade. I lived with that for four years. When I was in 10th grade, we finally ran it again. I, I begged every year. I'm like, can we run the 40, please? God. And my freshman year, I, I grew a little there bit. There are like 400 pound offensive linemen. I know. Here. I know. <laughs> my my like freshman this. year, my, well, I told you I was all bone and feet. Like I, I wore an 11 in sixth grade. So uh, my 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 sophomore year though, or by, by my freshman year, I was I was a center fielder on the baseball team, and I was actually I wasn't fast, but I was faster. And so finally in the 10th grade, we ran the 40 again, and I ran a whopping five two. And that's as fast as I've ever been. I never break five, but I was a five-two. But you know what? I was a really good center fielder because I had quick reaction times. I jumped at the ball quickly. I, I read it off the bat pretty fast, yeah. you know. Uh, I don't think you're ender in. I was not a speedster. Anything, I was not a speedster, yeah. but I was seven flat for a while. All right. The the final thing that's kind of funny that sticks out of me, and 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 like if you're going around the room saying what's something funny that happened to you in high school. Uh, I was kicked out of a basketball game in high school, but as a fan, not as a player, which I'm pretty proud of. We were at a big rival game at our home, at our home gym. I was in the student section on the front row, giving the ref the absolute business. Every time he ran down to our side of the court, I was in his ear hole. He was making horrible calls. One of my good friends was our, our senior player uh senior guard shooting guard incredible player great shooter wasn't getting the calls bs uh, and i was giving it to this ref and and he wasn't saying anything to me never said a word to me but i mean i was like in his ear like a foot away from his ear not social distancing and at halftime at halftime um my our, our, our AD gets on the loudspeaker and go, he's, he was from like Minnesota. He go, ah, David Barnett, please come to the press box. David Barnett to the press box. And I was like, I want a pizza. I thought I'd won. I thought I'd won like a drawing for a, a Papa John's pizza. <laughs> I got a so free like, Papa John's. I'm like, yeah. And I, I walked my little 12, my little 12th grade self over there. And he goes, ah, David, the referee just came over halftime said, uh, said, you gotta go. You, I gotta walk you out the gym. You gotta go. He's, he's kicked you out the gym and you're not allowed in, in the game anymore. And I'm like, what? Totally embarrassing. Had to be escorted out of the gym. Very embarrassing. Not my proudest moment. But in a way, I look back at it now, and it's, it's kind of funny. Um, all right. Let's get to this. Let's get to the chunk question. If you had a PGA Tour player as a high school, prototypical high school principal, teacher, and PE or slash coach, who would they be? Where do you want to start? Um, let's start with in the middle there. Let's start with the teacher first. Okay, I like that. Because there's, like there's a lot of different ways you could go with this. I a lot think. of different ways. Yep. So you want to start I, with me? Yeah, I'll start. Um, for teacher, I went Ricky Fowler. And here's why. I mean, like, like when you think about a teacher, now you can go like with the strict teacher with the you know the, the the teacher that you just didn't respect at all or whatever 
versus just like the cool teacher that you thought you might like, like you loved and you loved being in their class and they were laid back and they were whatever and they were cool and they were like, you know, I don't know. I, like I thought of Ricky Fowler as being just like the guy that like if I'm in a classroom and he's teaching my class, like I would love it. Like he's, he's, he's kind of like, he, he's hip you know, to the new, to the new guys, to the new kids. And like, I would be, because like, okay. if you're, you know, if you're a adult or whatever, like you want to be able to relate to your, your, your students. And I feel like Ricky would be like that, that guy that could relate to their students. So that was one reason that I thought that he would be just like the, like the, the good high school teacher would be Ricky Fowler. Okay. Um, I, I picked Kevin Na. Mm. Kevin Na is my high school teacher. Um, first of all, he teaches all the maths. That's all. That's a specialty. He teaches all the maths. He loves Kenny G. Why does he which, teach math? Why, he's Asian. Why can't he? It's a stereotype. I'm, I'm call like it is. <laughs> so like he's probably, so you're like, brilliant. okay, you're just like being, it's okay. an Asian stereotype. He's probably teaching all the maths. Okay. Uh, we know from his wedding, from Kevin Na's wedding that he loves Kenny G. In fact, Kenny G played at his wedding. And that's so like, like during tests, very, he's playing Kenny G. Like yes. he's throwing up Kenny G during the yes. test. Yes, he's telling all the students, "Oh, this will help you like clear your like yeah. I, any a high school teacher loving Kenny G is very stereotypical to me." Um, he gets a substitute a lot, which is kind of a play on Kevin Nas withdrawal issues, whatever. But <laughs> yeah, like he's got definitely he's a got lot a regular substitute. substitute. Who doesn't give a shit? Like when the, when got, the, when yeah, the substitute, got a substitute comes in on speed yeah. dial. Um, I feel like he's the guy who tries to wear the cool clothes. Like, like you mentioned, Ricky, he tries to wear the cool clothes, but he actually ends up looking more like a nerd. Kind of like, like, like not sometimes you're like, okay, he's kind of trying to get there, but he's not, he can't quite get there, you know, or he's got like the, he's wearing those shirts with the big freaking, the massive logos on the chest that, that are, uh, it's some kind of character logo or something. I don't yeah. know. It's, it's kind of weird, but. It always just looks like he's he's so close, but he's still so far away. And he's also the the teacher that cannot stand the PE coach or the athletic director. That th there's like this underlying beef. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's this there's this like underlying tension where yeah. at any at any moment he'll kind of take a you know kind of take because a, they know they know that that PE coach is getting away with whatever the f they want to get away with it, there's a lot of can't. opposites yeah so so yeah. they're just not real they're very opposite so there's just like this underlying jabs that every now and then you're sitting in class like huh is he is he talking about coach so-and-so you know what I mean like I feel like that's Kevin Na. okay let's go to let's go to principal I want to go to principal <laughs> okay uh my principal is I think this is a clear decision if any PGA Tour player were going to be a high school principal, it would be Patrick Reed. There is no one else. <laughs> I was totally thinking the same thing, but I didn't go that way. You didn't go I there? thought you would. Okay. I thought you would. So. There is nobody on the PGA Tour that would rather be a high school principal than Patrick Reed. He cut his teeth as a hall monitor more than likely throughout all of middle school, high school. His wife is probably the superintendent if Patrick Reed is, is, uh, is your, so she's really calling the shots. You know what I mean? Um, he's got a really shit for brains brother-in-law who's the AD at the school, despite losing records in probably literally every sport. And he tries to, uh, this is my favorite part about Patrick Reed as the high school principal. 
in your high school every year, did you have the, the student faculty basketball game? I don't, I don't remember that. I don't think we oh, did, but maybe we every did. year we would have the student faculty students versus faculty basketball game in the gym school would come watch and it'd be this big production to me patrick reed is the principal that tries to ball so hard in the in the student faculty basketball game like he shows up headband you know ready stretching like ready to go and he's going hard on like some 11th grade girls that weigh like a buck six and he's like backing them down doing his thing but acting like this is no big deal that's patrick reed is your high school principal see okay so i, I there's two routes that i think you could take with uh, the high, high school principal um the first one was going to be the patrick reed route or the bryson DeShambo route the, the guy yeah, that, that was knows too easy every, i couldn't do that one yeah that knows everything that nobody else you know knows and he's smarter than everybody else and whatever but um, I went with actually the um, what I would consider to be the cool high school principal, but the rule follower. So the guy that like he's gonna be he's like he's he's a good guy, but he's just like like everything is he's following the rules and like and he's he's very strict on the rules and you can't deviate from that okay. uh, that type principal and that okay. is Webb Simpson to me. That is Webb Simpson. He is yeah, like the Mr. Rule Follower principal. You know, like he's not not that exciting. You know, he's not like going to be vanilla. A, very he's vanilla. very vanilla, not a jerk at times. But you know what? I mean, like he's not going to be the guy that like you necessarily want to be like, ah, that's a cool principal. That's the guy. Like he's he's like hanging out with the, the cool kids, like having, you know, having some fun. So that was my principal. So there you go. Now the PE teacher – I think is where really things get interesting. And I feel like we're going to have the same, I think, I think we're going to have the same guy. <laughs> Who's your I, we got, teacher? we got to have the same guy. Who is it? Freaking Dustin Johnson. Yes. <laughs> Dustin Johnson is the PE teacher. Yes. Like, he doesn't yes. give a crap about anything. He's sitting there. He's sitting there back there. Like <laughs> in these times, and like he's like, if, if we were eligible, he'd be like smoking weed. And he'd be like, hey, these kids, I listen, like a kid comes up and like, hey, listen, you go run two laps around that track. And then what I want you to do is is just go go get your phone and, and play a video game or something. I don't know, but I'm gonna be sitting here and I'm gonna be doing my own thing. I'm gonna watch some shit but you just go do whatever and like like DJ's just not gonna care and he's not gonna he's not gonna like that's that's the PE teacher I remember is the one that just it just yeah. does whatever. And DJ fits the mold of the PE teacher like to a T. So I don't know if that was the same one you had, but I feel like oh it, I had it, DJ. Not. No, I, I definitely had DJ. I saw him as a little more active, quote unquote, active as a PE teacher. I think for one, DJ as a PE teacher is, and this is one reason why. I, uh, Mr. Nah doesn't like him, doesn't get along with him. Mm. Uh, everyone knows that, that the PE teacher DJ is barely smart enough to teach U.S. history, and he only does it because he has to. They make yeah. him teach they, something. The, the PE teacher always so they gets tell history, him, by the way. U.S. history it is, you know. Yeah. Um, U.S. history it is. And so he does that. But also, this is where I think he's active, okay? He, uh, 
loves to teach girls volleyball despite zero volleyball experience or acumen okay he uh uh does play a role on the boys varsity football team in which he buys vape cartridges off of the quarterback and bangs three or more uh of the boys single moms that play on the team uh, why, why would he not take advantage of that? Uh, and likely chaperones all the dances and also bangs any teachers that may be halfway decent, like a six or above, and potentially scandalous, like might be banging some senior girls. Anyway, he's just banging a lot. So, like, like if that happened, like if he's, that came out two years later, you wouldn't be surprised. If that would came not out. be surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But likely just doing sex with a lot of people related to the school is what I'm saying. Yeah, DJs like chaperones really... all the dances voluntarily. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and everybody loves him. You know, and if everybody there's a, if, if God forbid, if there's a damn, you know, a way field trip for a weekend he's definitely chaperoning that oh yeah yeah he's the driver he's the lead chaperone yeah um yeah yeah for sure and and all the girls think he's good looking he's a good looking guy you know what i mean like so so the 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 girls all think he's cute you know coach johnson he's cute right and he's just taking it to take it taking full advantage like it just all fits like you really can't go anywhere else but dj there right was now. nowhere else to go other than dj like I, yeah. I tried to go a little out of the box with, with kevin Nile, which i think he could yeah. De- De- bryson was a clear choice for principal. nicholson popped into my head nicholson popped into my head for a principal he struck yeah. me as like a mr i, I was all in, i was all over saved by the bell last <laughs> mr. week mr building he is such yes. a mr building type yeah. he's like tr- yeah. always trying to be funny always trying to be a little bit cool but he's kind of dorky but everybody also kind of likes him because he's you know at the root of it he's a nice guy like Nicholson is very Mr. Belding for sure all right good stuff that was a long episode but you know Pat's back it went a little lengthy you know you'd think with only 78 players we could get this done in under like an hour and a half but no not not possible just listening to it at just listen to it at two and two and a half times one and a half times whatever one probably one and a half two and a half one and a half two and a half makes 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 us sound like chipmunks yeah all right, um, I got to go refill, and we got to go do the uh, Tour Junkies After Dark show presented by DraftKings. Let's knock it out. Thanks for listening. May your screens continue to be green, and some of y'all need to rub that off on me. You know what I mean? Like, rub that me, off on me. Me too. Me Have too. a great week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. See ya. Oh.